everybody. It's the Never Heard of It podcast. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. It's December. Can you believe it? I can Joined can't. by Craig Moorhead. Craig, there you are. How's it going? Uh, Sean, December. Hmm. Uh, cold. It's wintertime. Um, I'm glad it's here. Uh, you know, things. this is the time of year when things are uh, are born anew, right? Isn't that what winter is? And I I feel like that nice change uh, going on. How about you? Yeah, it's it's a wonderful time of the year. I think uh, there's at least potential hope in the air as of this recording. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, we record these a little ahead of time, so it's always exciting to see what the reality of life looks like <laughs> by the time that they are released. So That's true. we'll just leave it at that. And, yeah, we're, we're happy to have everybody with us. We got a tee up today. I'm going to get into this month, this month's. This month's that's tough. That's hard to say, isn't yeah, it? This it is. month's theme. I was obviously stressing that out a little bit, which you suggested and I'm excited about it. But first why don't you tell people where they can come say hello and happy holidays. I would love to do that. If you wanted to get in touch with us and as Sean suggested, tell us happy holidays. You can find Or send us, us presents. Yeah, you can send us presents. At least twenty dollars or more, please. Just I mean we don't because we don't want any of that cheap crap. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's misinformation engine uh, at Never Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, also at Never Podcast. Instagram, you can find us uh, N H O I T Podcast, and uh, any of those places. You know, uh, l- let us know what's up, what's what's happening on the streets, um, what's going down. Um, mm. You know, l- let us know. Really, probably more usefully, let us know if there's a movie you'd like us to watch, or you just want to tell us about something that you did over the summer vacation this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's summer vacation was pretty much the same though. So I don't know how interesting that would be, but regardless, your experiences are valid. I just want to say that up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of experiences, if you want to experience other episodes of our podcast, you can find all of them on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, anchor overcast, breaker, pocket cast, radio public and cast box. You should be able to find every single last one of our uh, episodes. You can hear these uh, beautiful uh, dulcet tones uh, in your ears. And I mean, by now, I mean, we've done it for, uh, I mean, four seasons, but uh, there's a lot of episodes. You, you could do this for a couple weeks if you wanted to really drown out the pain and misery, if you're having any pain and misery. Uh, and any of those places, if you're not having too much pain and misery, if you could subscribe and leave a review, that would be super nice. It helps people find us. And, uh, and that's really all we've ever wanted is to be famous. Isn't that right, Sean? Oh, I thought you meant to be found is what you were going to say. Uh, but no, that works too. Yeah, okay. Either yeah. or. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the opposite of pain and misery. So yeah. that sounds good to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the opposite of pain and misery, let's talk about what we're going to get into a little bit this month. And uh, maybe you should be the one to do that because you suggested these movies and I thought it sounded like a fantastic snuggle-filled idea, Craig. Well, yeah, there's nothing I like better than a good snuggle, Sean, and... I figured, you know, I mean, it's it's the the month of, of Christmas. It's the holiday season. And so we wanted to kind of uh, go back to some uh, holiday-themed stories. And my favorite holiday movie of all time, while there are lots of very good ones. Jingle All the Way too. Yes, sure. But that's okay. not really the one I'm, I'm going for right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that's yeah, okay. go ahead. Uh, a lot of people would argue it's either Batman Returns or Die Hard or something like that. It's... It's just not. I mean, it's it's a wonderful life is is yeah. the best holiday film of all time. Um, not not to take anything away from the other ones, I'd I'd watch them in a 
heartbeat too. But uh, it's really truly the best one of all time. And it's so good that many movies have been sort of made with that same general story, that same idea, using it sort of maybe as a jumping off point. A lot of TV mm-hmm. shows have done it too. But uh, so we wanted to look at a couple movies that kind of use that same basic structure, that same idea, someone sort of seeing what life would have been like without them around and uh, and just see how well they do with it. And I feel like we found a couple of really interesting ones. What do you think? I think so too. And yeah, the second one I'm very interested in, which, and speaking of television as a TV movie, I think, uh, yeah. you know, a, a lot of times we think about Christmas movies having sort of a shelf life on TV and becoming uh, those classics that we know and return to because of television and cable, although that obviously is looking different these days. Yeah. Um, but this first one is one that I certainly remember coming out and had heard of, and I suspect a lot of people will have heard of, excuse me, as I learned to talk. But I don't think I've seen it. And if I have, I don't remember anything remotely about it yeah. other than, of course... The center attraction here is Nicolas Cage, and as we did last year this time, it feels like that should become a tradition as well, that we at least watch one Nicolas Cage movie yeah. in December, and thank God we are. Uh, so we're going to talk about The Family Man today, and this movie is from 2000, and I, I suspect there's going to be you know, a good handful of folks that we recognize um, behind the camera, which we'll get to in a second, but I am curious, have you seen this movie? I have not. I, I remember when it came out, I remember sort of knowing what it was basically about but Mm -hmm. at the time i mean this is the year 2000 i was just out of film school i was real full of myself (laughs) and uh and the idea of watching a a brett ratner nick cage remake of it's a wonderful life i was like nah man that's not cool uh so i i 100 skipped it so I, i have no idea i have no idea what uh what is in store for us with this, but uh, I'm I'm very interested to find out. Me too. Yeah. And I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to talk about that a little bit. It's just uh, when you got to mentioning Brett Radner directed this and that kind of, because I loved Rush Hour and I remember watching that DVD and mm-hmm. uh, all the stuff on there. And he seemed so conceited in, <laughs> in so many of those behind the scenes things. And it was just like, I just I remember some lines specifically about him being, you know, I, I know how Chris Tucker talks. Like I, I can, you know, like as if he was like a puppet or something, you right. know, that he just was in control of. Yeah, it just put me off. Especially exactly what you're talking about. We had just graduated film school. I was like, oh, I don't like this guy. I liked right. the movie, but the more I like saw of him, I was like, I don't know that he's gonna be a person I want to it's aspire to sure and this felt like one of his first attempts to kind of drive in a different lane if you will so i'm very curious to see it if no other reason for that i guess so yeah i mean that that to me is the thing it's like this came a little bit after he had made some people quite a bit of money and you know it's 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 sort of one of those movies where he said this is what i want to try next because it's it's not a it's not what you would look at and say, well, that's that's going to be a huge blockbuster. Like this is yeah. sort of Brett Ratner going small, going a little more drama. And that kind of stuff always does interest me, mm-hmm. regardless of, of, yeah, what the public persona of the person may be. Well, and I guess we should, yeah, say like right up front, like yeah, certainly his public persona did not did not improve necessarily, no. especially recently. Um, yeah, 
but he, he's produced some really interesting movies. I still, I kind of liked his version of Red Dragon. We'll, we'll get yeah. into it, but yeah. you know, uh, yeah, at the time, yeah, we should just maybe preface all of this for those who have short memories or didn't know or weren't around after Money Talks and Rush Hour, and then Rush Hour 2 came shortly after The Family Man. Yeah, just a, I mean, he was like uh, the next in line for making these big action comedies and um, felt like the world was his oyster a little bit. So yes. we'll return to that headspace a little bit and be somewhat naive to maybe some of the other stuff that's going on with the dude. But anyway, it feels like we're already doing this. So why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it and you <laughs> can tell right. us more about yeah, uh, him and anybody else that's uh, involved in this. Well, exactly. I, I would I would hasten to add that uh, despite the fact that he directed it, lots of other people were involved with this movie. Mm, so yes. we can uh, yeah we can dilute whatever uh, ickiness we may feel from his direction by uh, looking at some of these other folks. So here we've got uh, oh well first up top we have directed by Brett Ratner. So I guess we're not really gonna <laughs> jump away from that yeah. quite as quickly as I'd well, hoped. But uh, you might remember Brett Ratner from such directions as Rush Hour and X Men Three. Uh, I guess it was called X Men: The Last Stand. Uh, you got Red Dragon, as you mentioned. Quite quite a few movies like that. Uh, we've got this movie written by a couple of Davids. We've got David Diamond, also. Great name. Yeah, I mean, boy, I mean Diamond. What a, what a great showbiz name, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, he 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 wrote uh, Old Dogs, uh, Evolution, the uh, um, uh, Kristen Bell movie When in Rome. Several things like that, which he also wrote with his uh, apparent writing partner, David Weissman. Hmm. They both uh, pretty much have the same uh, CV, as it were. Produced by, we've got some producers. We've got a whole heck of a lot of producers here. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'm going to start with our executive producers. Now, a lot of these folks, it seems like they, they pretty much worked on a lot of the same stuff. Whether they were Brett Ratner guys or not, I don't know. But the execs, uh, we've got Armian... Bernstein, hmm. I, that that name could go a lot of ways. I, I apologize, Miss <laughs> Bernstein. Stein, Bern, Bernstein. He uh, produced such movies as Children of Men, uh, Spy Game, as did Thomas A. Bliss. Executive produced these movies. Same yeah. movies, uh, Children of Men and Spy Game. We've got Andrew Z. Davis, who uh, produced such movies as Enemy of the State, Rush Hours Two and Three. We've got James M. Freitag. Oh, I feel like that's wrong, and I apologize. Freitag, maybe? Mm. I shouldn't have this much problems, uh, this many problems with this. This much problems. I definitely have a lot of problems, Sean. Regardless, Mm. James produced uh, The Rush Hours. Also, Red Dragon, X-Men The Last Stand. We've got Mark Abraham as producer on such movies as Children of Men, The New RoboCop. Uh, the commitments uh, bring it on. We've got Jeff Levine as co-producer. He was on such movies as Face Off, Eight Millimeter, Snake Eyes. I believe we talked about Jeff last Christmas because I believe he's a Nick really? Cage guy. I'm pretty oh, sure he okay. was on Trust gotcha. or The Trust. Yeah, uh, we've got Tony Ludwig as producer on such movies as Deep Blue Sea and Bride Wars. Alan Reich on the same movies, Deep Blue Sea and Bride Wars. And then we've got Howard Rosenman as producer on such movies as Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Call Me By Your Name. That's a lot of produ- you know, it's a lot of producers coming together for a movie that feels like it's it's already a big studio movie. Yeah. I'm very interested to find out. Yeah, like 
Yeah, it seems because it seems like an indie slate of producers, you know, like it a is, lot but, of. I mean, those in. are impressive movies. Yes, they, but yeah. maybe movies that were made after this movie for sure, right? Yeah, almost certainly some of them were. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise that's that's splitting up the pie pretty. Uh, it really is. There. <laughs> Each one of them produced exactly one week of the movie Family Man. Oh really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Uh, music is by Danny Elfman, which is really cool. Yeah. Didn't expect that. Danny Elfman, of course, uh, did music for such movies as Batman. He did the Simpsons theme. He did the music for Justice League and Dumbo, uh, the new Dumbo. Uh, our DP is Dante Spinati. Crazy. Right. Quick and the Dead, L.A. Confidential, Heat, X Men: The Last Stand, Manhunter. He's really he's kind of a Michael Mann guy. He was on a bunch of stuff, but man, he shot a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. The movie is edited by Mark Helfrich. Mark Helfrich, who also edited such movies as Predator, X Men: The Last Stand, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, The Last Boy Scout, and a couple episodes of the wow. Max Headroom series. No kidding. Yeah, thought that was. Kind I'm of sorry, cool. I should have said no, 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 no kidding. No, 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 no ki- kidding. <laughs> That was nice. Uh, seven people that will get that. I'm going to say, like, how many uh, <laughs> how many of our listeners are Max Headroom freaks? I hope a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, casting by Matthew Barry, who also cast Rush Hour, The Notebook, Con Air, Mars Attacks, uh, as well as Nancy Green Keys, who did casting on The Notebook, Alpha mm-hmm. Dog, and Freddy versus Jason. Well, I just uh, we need to acknowledge like casting Mars Attacks. That that must have been a fun one because Man, a ton tell of me about that. it. That movie is packed. Yeah. Uh, much like honestly, like this cast, and even the cast of the next movie we'll be talking about in a couple weeks. Yeah. We got some deep benches here. For sure. This is this is actually some really exciting stuff to me, because here's who we've got. Obviously, we've got Nick Cage playing uh, Jack Campbell. And we know. We know Nick Cage. Everybody knows Nick Cage. Nick mm-hmm. Cage has done and been in every everything. Trapped in Paradise. At least he was in Trapped in Paradise and The Trust. Those two I am 100% sure he was in. Uh, then we've got Tia Leone as Kate Reynolds. Tia Leone is a, is a favorite of mine. I can, I'll say that. Oh, God, I love her. Love her so much. She's in uh, Flirting with Disaster. She's in Bad Boys. She's in Jurassic Park 3. She just spent a number of years as the lead on the show of uh, Madam Secretary. And uh, then we've got Don Cheadle. Can I pause you for a second? You can pause me all over Did the Did you place. ever watch Flying Blind? No. What is Flying Blind? It was, I guess, on TV for a year on Fox in 92. And it was her. It was the first time I've ever seen this woman. And she's just amazing, right? Yeah. And she is in a relationship with... A guy who is very kind of, you know, straight-laced and very nebbish, I guess. Yeah. And that guy was Corey Parker, who we talked about and how I got into college. Which oh, maybe yeah. Flying Blind probably came up in that, too. I don't know. But anyway, I was like, that's, that's crazy. I forgot about that. Oh, and wow. I'm reminded of it every time. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a good show. I liked it. Those early heydays of Fox uh, when I used to watch that yeah. and, like, nothing else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Middle school and Seriously. high school. Seriously, yeah. Anyway, continue. Fox, Fox had the stuff. That's right. No, that, that's great. That's great. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can actually find that. Yeah, probably around. Because that would have been before Bad Boys, right? I think that would have been oh, before yeah, Bad Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Uh, so next we've got Don Cheadle. 
as cash. Don, <laughs> love it Don, already. <laughs> I, and I'm I'm just gonna go out and assume that cash is our is our angel character. I'm just gonna throw that mm-hmm. right out there. I'm almost positive it has to be. I got more on that. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm then then the next thing I wonder is how uncomfortable I'm going to feel about this movie. I got more on that too. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> As soon as I read that, I was like, but, oh, well, uh, yeah, but that's, that's hey, part of this. You know it's, what? It's, it's going to be Don Cheadle and I'm, I'm happy about that. It's only 20 years old. Yeah. 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 How, how bad could it be? Now, Don Cheadle, of course, you've seen in Boogie Nights. You've seen in the Oceans series, uh, the TV show House of Lies, the movie Hotel Ru- Rwanda. You've seen him. You loved him and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's been in some Marvel movies. I don't know. Yeah. Jeremy Piven is in this playing yeah. Arnie and you know Jeremy Piven uh, from Entourage you know him from Say Anything maybe you remember him in Gross Point Blank maybe you remember him in The Player I don't where was he in The Player I can't remember where he, he was um, he just works for the studio if I'm not mistaken I just watched that uh, a couple oh, weeks wow. ago as a matter of fact for w- one was of he classes. one of the ones pitching with Richard E. Grant pitching the I story I don't think he no he's oh, okay. not with richard e grant uh dean stockwell is with richard e. oh grant, that's actually right. that's right i think he's just like one of the young execs at the studio okay uh, there uh, you know not a huge speaking role if memory serves gotcha he is he is perfectly cast as that though i think yeah. uh, if nothing else he certainly plays industry types <laughs> as quite we know, well yes yeah uh then we've got saul rubinek who is another actor i just love so much uh, he's playing Alan Mintz, Saul Rubinek. He played the producer in True Romance. He was Beauchamp in uh, um, Unforgiven. He played the Frenchman in the last segment of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yep. Uh, first time I remember him, as soon as I said that, I thought, wait a you second, forgot. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> are you sure mm. that you remember him from this? Yes. The first time I remember seeing him was in the movie Bonfire of the Vanities. Okay. The huge, huge bomb that everyone will talk about. Wow, what a bomb. What a terrible movie. All I can say is when I saw this movie, and I was a young person, 16, when I saw that movie, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. I loved that movie from top to bottom. And I just remember him from that and just just loving Saul Rubinek so much. Not really even a showy uh, uh, a character necessarily but I was just cool. like man that guy is great okay I'm gonna get through the rest of these Sean just buckle in here we go uh, two more we've got Robert Downey Sr. yeah as man in house and of course uh, Robert Downey Sr. was the writer director of such movies as Chafed Elbows and Putney Swope mm-hmm. uh, and then finally in uh, a- an actor that I-, I guess you won't be seeing in the movie is Paul Sorvino Correct. Who would have been in it, but apparently his scenes were deleted. I'm guessing you might have a little more info on that. Uh, not much more than that, but yeah, I, I think you can see his scene on the DVD. Um, oh. Yeah, it got cut for whatever reason. Fair enough. Well, uh, man, that's all I've got, so uh, let me know what you've got. Yeah. I, it, it's too bad, too, because I really like, I like yes. some Sorvino there. He's a nice yeah. presence, and I don't feel like he's in enough things that I have seen. Indeed. Okay, I have... Not a ton about the making of, but there is a commentary from Ratner if anybody wants to really go deep dive on the DVD. Yeah. Um, one of the fun things I was doing was just looking at the poster a second ago and noticing that 
this was the era of when movie posters would not only have like their website address on them, but AOL keyword family man, which God, I don't even, I don't even remember if I know how the <laughs> AOL keyword business works, but there it was. <laughs> I like it. This movie filmed from November 22nd, 1999 to March 14th, 2000. So, yeah, they tripped over into Y2K. I uh, wonder what they're shut. I've never heard of a movie starting on the 22nd of November. That's insane. Like, uh, Well, yeah. But I assume they, they're trying to get real snow and whatnot. Right? Well, probably, yeah. But still, it feels like you're going to shut down for, for Thanksgiving and Christmas one way yeah. or the other. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so uh, they shot in Teaneck, Terrytown. Kloster and Newark, New Jersey, and also New York City and a little bit in L.A., I believe. Brett Ratner was not always going to direct this, Craig. Oh. And the project was listed as being originally developed by none other than Curtis Hansen, which oh, wow. that kind of sense. even just what I know of this movie feels like it could have matched, perhaps, totally. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't always going to be Nicolas Cage. Oh, Eminem. Mm-mm, no, no. Oh, okay. Another guess? Um... Wait, wait, Michael Douglas. That's not a bad guess. It was Travolta. Uh, he uh, at one point well, was yeah. attached in the lead, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, I can kind of see that, yeah. Post-Pulp uh, Fiction world where he quickly transitioned into doing more stuff like this than yeah. like Pulp Fiction. A couple things about uh, Cars, real quickly, uh, recording to the production uh, stuff of this movie. There's a Ferrari in this movie, Craig. Totally. And um, ironically, it is a Ferrari... Exactly like one that Nicolas Cage owned. However, he had sold it a year earlier, which he probably could have gotten paid to use his Ferrari in the movie if he had just not sold it. That's a shame. We all know he's had a little bit of financial problems here and there. I guess so. But there's also a minivan in this movie, Craig, and apparently there's a moment in this film that we're going to come across where... Cage can't get that minivan to start, but that oh. wasn't supposed to happen. That actually happened on set, and they left it in the movie. And it was a little happy accidents, right? Mm. Was it a was it a mini was it a Ferrari minivan? I hope so. I really, I, I really hope so. I you know I didn't dive too deep into looking at exact things that were inspired story wise mm-hmm. by It's a Wonderful Life in this movie. Although I suspect we'll see a few things here and there, but they did talk about there's a couple little specific homages, and one of which was just using snow to symbolize change. So expect that in there. I think you might know where this is going plot wise, perhaps even yes. just from the outset. Um, there's a character named Mr. Potter, so that might ring a bell. Mm-hmm. And there's a song that someone is going to play on the violin. I think it might be one of those two. I think it might be the daughter uh, that's on the poster here that we may recognize from It's a Wonderful Life as well. And I also think there's going to be a, just, in general, a good bit of music in this film. A lot of the IMDb trivia had s- stuff to do with music, uh, one of which was that there was a song they were really hoping to get but ultimately proved too expensive. Do you want to guess what that was? Uh, to Become One by the Spice Girls. Yeah, it was not that, but I mm. did. I loved that song when it came out. No lie. Close. It was All of My Love by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> very close. I yeah. was. I was very close. That's true. Super close. I can only imagine how much it would have cost to get the rights to that. But yeah, yeah. I think they just balked at the cost. Uh, there's a song, though, that is in it called La Donna y Mobile. I'm probably mispronouncing hmm. that. It may, in fact, be an opera. But <laughs> that has been in not one, not two, but at least three 
cage ragers. Uh, oh. Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Honeymoon in Vegas, and Guarding Tess. I oh, don't man. know. Now I'm just like, that's too much of a coincidence to not be something that he's like, hey, if you could put this in, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There's got to be something, yeah. right? And that is a really good impression. I know. You closed your eyes and you just thought I, I did. Here. I thought I was there. Okay, well, even better, you can close your eyes and sniff. Oh, no. Because Cage, being a massive Elvis fan got a reference to the king in this movie so look for english leather do you know what that is no <laughs> that's elvis's favorite cologne so oh jeez. <laughs> there was a lot of lead up to that but uh, yes wow. um, okay fair enough yeah i i had not heard anything about elvis's favorite cologne but now i'm really curious now so I know. english leather i love it <laughs> uh the movie came out december 22nd 2000 in the united states uh makes a ton of sense right Sure. Although sometimes I'd like to get a little lead into Christmas with these Christmas-related movies. Uh, two taglines I ran across. One is on the poster that's on IMDb. Simply, what if? Kind of a lazy tagline for uh, that's a little. Yeah, that's pretty much any movie, really. Okay, but this is the other one I read, and this is way worse. What if you made different choices? What if you said yes instead of no? What if you got a second chance? Sounds like a commercial for some medicine or something. Yeah. Tremfaya. Uh, Yes. Also known as Paraisa in Estonian, which I think, like, this didn't even pop up on Google Translate, although they recognize the word as Estonian. But I, I think I broke it down to mean family father, not family man. Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. a fun one. In Japanese, IMDb tells me that the title was Tenshi no Kareta Jikan. Now, Google Translate <laughs> tells me that that means Tenshi's sick. So <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know. I didn't look up what Tenshi means, but I don't know why I didn't translate that if that is something, but yeah. It was like a giveaway. Well, I mean, is, it, is that going to be like a sort of the Zuzu Petals thing where like one of the kids has a cold? Like, is there going to be? I don't know, but nobody's name is Tenshi. So I don't know. Maybe somebody knows what that means and we can yeah. get to the bottom of this. Well, maybe maybe like a dubbed version. Maybe somebody Tenchi or something. Yeah, Oof. and they just killed him. So uh, the budget of this was sixty million, and it all but doubled that worldwide and made over one hundred twenty-four, almost one hundred twenty-five million. Uh, Seventy-five of that, is. yeah, in the United States. That's a pretty good return for sure. I don't know that we've talked about a movie from the year two thousand, Craig. Oh, it's very possible we haven't. But here we go, box office U.S. Do you want to take a gander at uh, or guess guess a gander? Jeez, you want to take a goose? <laughs> At the number one movie uh, in the United States for 2000. For 2000. I would not have guessed this. I got to be honest with you. Was it the f- uh, Was it the first X Men? No. I have no idea. That's in the top ten, but uh, no, it was. It's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Jim oh yeah! Wow. I yeah. I had no idea when that came out. I know. Um, yeah. But even if I had seen like a list of movies from 2000, I'm like, nah, there's no way that was number one, was it? I mean, I guess it was a big movie, but yeah, it was. interesting. Second was Mission Impossible 2, and mm-hmm. you had Gladiator, The Perfect Storm, which I had forgotten how big of a movie that was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Meet the Parents, X-Men, as you mentioned, which uh, let's take a second to talk about that for a second. You remember how people were like, this is going to suck? Like, Yes. <laughs> those costumes, those images came out at first. You were like, who the hell is Hugh Jackman? Like, nobody expected anything out of that movie, I don't no. think. And then we're like, oh, my God, it's actually pretty good. Well, you know. Uh, scary Movie. Was right mm-hmm. after that. Yep. Huge year for that. That came out of nowhere, it felt like. What Lies Beneath, Zemeckis. 
Dinosaur, which I think was a Disney animated film, if I'm yes. not mistaken. And Aaron Brockovich, round out your top 10. And then going further a little bit, you had Nutty Professor 2, Charlie's Angels, Big Mama's House, Remember the Titans, What Women Want, The Patriot, Chicken Run, Gone in 60 Seconds, Castaway, Me, Myself, and Irene, Space Cowboys, Scream 3, Unbreakable, U571, Hollow Man, Stuart Little, Shaft, The Green Mile, The Kid, another Disney movie, I think, Rugrats in Paris, and Road Trip. I saw... So many of those in the theaters. Greg. Yeah. So many. I mean, that is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just takes me back. I saw, uh, because I was in Pasadena that year, uh, you know, a little east of LA, and saw test screenings of Remember the Titans. Yeah. And um, we saw an early screening of The Green Mile that Frank Darabont did a Q&A. I think that was at UCLA. Uh, oh, and Road Trip. I saw a test screening of Road Trip, which was a Todd Phillips movie, if yeah. memory serves. And he was there for that, I remember. So, yeah, just an interesting time thinking back about all those movies that year. That also, nice. I didn't go through the giant list because it's a big list of movies that came out that year, right? Do remember seeing David Gordon Green's George Washington, which I wanted to mention, which came out in October of 2000. So, a good year, I think. A shift, probably, from the greatness of 1999 a little bit, but there were still movies from 99 that were floating around in theaters and, and were high up in the box office, one of being one of those being American Beauty, which won the Oscar for 1999. But Craig, do you recall what won Best Picture for 2000? I've already said it. Oh, Gladiator. Yep, of yep. course, yep. And Russell Crowe picked up an Oscar for that as well, even though he was better in The Inside Man. Easily. Not the inside man, the insider. Insider, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't even in the inside man, but he probably would have been good in that too. Steven Soderbergh, massive, massive year, obviously, for Soderbergh. He won Best Director for Traffic, which I didn't even mention. Yeah. Uh, and then Julia Roberts won for Brockovich, which, of course, he also directed. Uh, Benicio Del Toro picked up Supporting Actor for Traffic. Marsha Gay Harden won Best Supporting Actress for Pollock. I love her. I feel like I haven't seen mm -hmm. her in a movie since, <laughs> which is not true, but uh, no. I need to I need to see more of her. I don't know what she's doing. I need to look into that. Uh, Cameron Crowe won Best Original Script for Almost Famous. I wanted to mention that. And also Bob Dylan won Best Song for Things Have Changed from one of my favorite movies of that year, which is Wonder Boys, which if you haven't seen that, stop sleeping oh, yeah. on Wonder Boys. It's great. Uh, best international film that year was a massive film, uh, Crouching Tiger. <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So massive, I can't pronounce it. That's right. Too big for your mouth. Yep. Family Man garnered Cage a Best Actor Award, Craig. Really? Yes, it did. For Best wow. Actor in a Comedy or Romance Film at the Blockbuster Golden. Entertainment Awards. Ah, uh, okay. See, <laughs> you, you, you just you reeled me in there. I did. Remember the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards? I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah, me too. Um, I wonder, I need to look into how long those lasted. But um, yeah, I remember that. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Danny Elfman picked up uh, Best Film Music from the BMI Film and TV Awards. Not quite sure what that is, but he won it. It sounds legit. Well, BMI is uh, one of the licensing groups, maybe? Isn't it? Yes, that's what I was thinking. Something like yeah. that in the music industry, which is probably what the MI stands for, but maybe not. Uh, and had a couple other smaller <laughs> nominations at various other awards outlets that were not of the Golden Globe or higher category. Yeah. And that might be because the reviews were a little mixed. So uh, Ben Falk for BBC 
gave it three out of five stars, quote, taking its cue from classic weepy Craig. How do you feel about that? It's a Wonderful Life. The Family Man is a nice movie, a pleasant change of pace for both Cage and director Ratner, normally behind the lens of mad action flicks like Rush Hour. But while you won't really cry or laugh, this kind of Tinseltown contrivance, although by no means a classic, is a decent enough diversion from the hell of Christmas shopping. Jeez. Well, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, huh? I mean, there's a lot of backhanded stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, 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 the idea that I'm going to watch go watch a movie to get away from Christmas shopping, I don't know. That's mm. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. A, Three a out of five stars, movie? though, you know? Yeah. 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 Decent enough, actually. Decent enough. Decent enough, right. Right. It's not even like fully decent. It just has enough decency. Okay, well, your spider senses were tingling when talking about Don Cheadle, and I mentioned I, I had a, some stuff on that. And it yeah. came from, I just, you know, it's like, as always, from this era, I love looking at Roger Ebert's reviews. And uh, man, to his credit, right? He's always on top of it, I think. Yeah. Right out of the gate, very first thing he said, quote, It's a funny thing about supernatural movies. The black characters are always the ones with all the insights into the occult, but they never get to be occulted. Consider Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, Will Smith and the Ledger of Bag and Vance, and now Don Cheadle and the Family Man. They're all on good terms with the paranormal, but act only as guides for Demi Moore, Matt Damon, Nicolas Cage, and others. They're always the medium, but never the message. That was his first paragraph for this review. Wow. Like, Damn, yes. <laughs> yeah. Laying it out. I do feel like that's changed at least a little yeah. bit in the last yeah. couple years, two or three years. So... You know, uh, unfortunately, he's not here to see that. But so, yeah, curious to see what we get uh, in regards to that. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have some insight as well. So you stole one of my trivia pieces about the Paul Servino scene. I didn't know this correct, man. So we should check this just to make sure it's it's actually true. But it was mentioned that Robert Downey Sr.'s credit includes the words a prince in parentheses. Yes. And that that's a thing that he has done uh, or has followed him in many films, I guess. I did not know that. I know. So now I'm really curious about that. I think it's hilarious, though. Yes. Yeah, me too. Donnie Sr., a prince. I always say this actor's name as Harve because it's spelled H-A-R-V-E. I don't know if it's... I'm assuming it's short for Harvey, but I don't... Perhaps he pronounces it differently. But Harve Presnell, who... Uh, is in this movie, and you'll recognize him immediately as soon as you see him. He plays a character who owns an automobile parts supply store where his son-in-law works, his son-in-law being Nicolas Cage, right? Right. Now, in another movie, Craig, he owned an automobile dealership where his son-in-law worked, and that son-in-law was William H. Macy, and that movie was Fargo. Oh. Typecasting Harv Presnell. No, I, mean, I like Harv Presnell. I, he just radiates, you know, car sales. You know what I mean? Like he's just, that's his whole vibe. Yep. He's got that Midwestern uh, GM kind of thing. No. Uh, yeah. I like that guy. I, I, as I mentioned, I think I watched Fargo um, a couple weeks ago. So yeah. Yeah. Such a good, good actor. So that's awesome. look for him. He'll be there. He's a perfect father-in-law, I think, uh, in any situation <laughs> that you could yeah. possibly imagine. And that's all I got. I'm excited to check this out. IMDb tells me that you can watch it right now on Cinemax, but I think it's out there elsewhere too. So, um, yeah. Does anybody still have Cinemax? Who's got Cinemax? Do you have Cinemax? I, I always thought Cinemax was something that was attached to something else. You it's got to be, right? Kind of like the way you kind of grow, like grow a mole or something. It's like you have HBO. Oh, and, and you have Cinemax. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. 
So maybe you do. Maybe you have it. You don't even know it. Yeah, I, I got to check. Check your cable. Um, cool. <laughs> so maybe visit or revisit perhaps some of you this movie if you haven't seen it since 2000, 20 years. That's a long time ago, That's right? We'll see time. if we can time this pretty darn close to its anniversary here and see what we make of it. Come back next time. We'll, we'll let you know. And uh, Craig, any last words? Um, uh, harv. Harva. Harva or Harv? Think about it. I like it. Good pirate name. All right, bye. Bye.